What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. Happy Monday, May the 20th. May the 20th be with you, or something like that. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. This is the Daily CBS Sports NFL Podcast, and it's a Super Friends special edition show. We are international, baby. Not even kidding. We have John Breach live from Mexico City for reasons... Still not entirely clear to any of us, Ryan Wilson and Sean Wagner also here. Sean, as he does on a Sunday, as we're recording this before Game of Thrones, so there won't be any Game of Thrones talking this podcast, just as a heads up. Sean is wearing a Arya Jumpman 23 shirt, which means that you've bought that in the last two weeks because she's holding a dagger and leaping like Michael Jordan. So you have purchased at least one Game of Thrones say, theme. I think I only bought one. How many Game of Thrones shirts do you own? Oh, I think three yeah. or four, but two of them were have been like birthday presents for my family. These are like the only two I've bought. And yes, I own two of these. That I one, I'll, I will give you, Ryan, I'm curious your thoughts on it, because I actually think that shirt is kind of cool. Um, you can't tell Sean that, though. No, you could trade cool. it. To Sean for a pick six podcast <laughs> shirt. Would, you think I would make that trade? Get out of here. Look at this nerd. I guarantee you Sean didn't buy two shirts. He bought like eight of those same shirts, but each size progressively larger because he's going to be sitting there eating potato chips, rewatching Game of Thrones for the next five or six years. <laughs> next time we see <laughs> yeah. him, he's going to be 450. Sean, I, yeah, I got a large because I'm still counting on my growth spurt hurt hitting. So this way like Sean, 10 years it, it doesn't hit, man. I'm telling you, give up on it now. <laughs> and, um, and some, somebody who's barely your height. And let me say two things real quick. Number one. Sean just set the record for fastest eye roll at Brinson. When Brinson opened with May the 20th, be with you. Straight up eye roll, Sean. That's I don't, awesome. Well, I don't get it. Neither, neither, neither do I. It's the neither 20th I. anniversary of the Phantom Menace coming out. So I was, I was like, maybe you're yes. trying to do something like that. May the and and I, I just want to say that I'm in Mexico City to make sure Estadio Azteca is in good shape because clearly the NFL is not sending anyone down here. So I took it upon myself to make sure the game doesn't get canceled this year. So you're welcome, guys. Um. You were down there. Uh, are you enjoying Mexico City, John? What would you? How would you rate Mexico City on a scale of um, one to three? One to two. One to two. Yeah. Uh, on a scale of uno to dos, I'll go with dos. <laughs> so wait a second. So you're there by yourself. You're not. Your wife's back uh, at the homestead. Who, uh, on average, how often do you talk per day, and how much of that is English or Spanish? Uh, here's the thing: is my Spanish is pretty rusty, and since I do kind of have like a Hispanic look. Everyone assumes I speak Spanish, and it turns every conversation into a nightmare. Uh, I literally had to download the Google Translate app within the first five minutes of my plane landing, and that has saved my life, but it's still pretty ugly watching me have a conversation. So they just think you're really aloof because you're not talking to them. So Yes, that is basically the exact description. I guess I'm just curious, though, like what are you – and I know that um... – you're, you're there for very, like, you're there because, you know, you're celebrating your mom's, uh, your mom's life. And I get that. Um, I am curious, like, what are you doing in this time? Like, are you going to a bar and just drinking, <laughs> just like drinking Dos Equis and like, what, like, tequila, Brinson. Or, I mean, yeah. I mean, like, are you going to a bar and drinking tequila for six hours and watching NBA basketball? Like, what are you doing? Uh, Saturday, I went up to the pyramids, which are about an hour north of Mexico City. Oh, so wait, that's quick, where, what happened? Did that guy try to jump off and get a selfie or something? What was that picture? Oh, uh, yeah. So that was – so some guy in a Bills hat. I was like, oh, there's an NFL fan. I'm just going to like get my phone out and take a picture of him because there is an NFL fan on the Pyramid of the Sun near Mexico City, which was pretty weird. So I'm taking my phone out. All of a sudden, he's talking to his girlfriend. He's like, let's do a crazy picture. You know how the kids are nowadays. They're all about doing it for the gram. So, like, the side of the pyramid is, like, an extremely – if you've ever seen Apocalypto, like, if you get pushed off the pyramid, you're falling all the way down, and you're dying. Uh, but there are a few rocks that kind of jut out that you can step on. It's like a climbing wall, but they're pretty few and far between. This kid gets on one of the juts, has his girl reach over like uh, she's pulling him up. And literally, if he falls off this jut, he is falling down the side of the pyramid, which, by the way, is, like, the second highest pyramid in the world – and he is certainly falling to his death, and there's nothing I could do. I was going to tell him to stop. You do everything for the gram. Uh, so this Bills fan did live. I actually want to see his Instagram picture. I'm going to hunt down for it. But these kids, they're insane. They will do anything for Instagram. So you did that, then what? So did the pyramids, uh, which, by the way, if you're ever in Mexico City, go down and see those. And then uh, Sunday, Wilson, I had a classic U-Day where you just walk around and drink tequila. 
Nice. All right. Good. Is it? Is it today? Like before <laughs> before the podcast? Because it's well, all... I did the walking around before the podcast. The tequila is for after the podcast. Okay, because we're recording this or during like, the podcast. You can you can drink tequila during <laughs> this podcast. I would drink if I didn't have to go coach T ball. Uh, I would. Um, what? I got to go coach T ball. I can't be getting lit up before a T ball. Here is my impression of John, of uh, what's your name, Brinson coaching T ball. He stands <laughs> in the third base box and tweets while the kids <laughs> <laughs> checking PGA scores. Like, come on, I need to win this head to head matchup. Um, no, I'm actually a pretty involved coach. I work on their batting stances a lot, timing. Um, our head coach Garrett won't be there today, so I got to really step it up. Big day. Do you guys for me. keep stats. Uh, we they we didn't. We're like a bunch of five-year-olds in a seven-year-old division, so we're not doing a whole lot of scorekeeping. But the the guy in charge of the league is pushing us a little aggressively to be more formal with the scores because when you when you check the standings, it was like seven teams tied at, at like oh oh and two, and and so I think some, I think the, the the guy the there's some there's some like like tradition like Ed Ed O'Neill guy from Little Giants coach. Who's like coaching one of these teams and he's like demanding that everybody keep accurate scores because he wants his team to win the championship. Oh God. Yeah. I know those guys. Yeah. That would be me. Yeah. Sean, you seem like a real Oakley wearing ball busting mustache growing <laughs> son of a gun. Well, if you're not playing sports to win, why are you playing? You're all just a bunch of losers out there. These kids, so I could see you as a quiz ball coach. These kids don't even know. These kids don't even understand that you're on the same team. They're like racing to beat each other to field the ball still. How old are they? They're five. five. They're five. I was playing like oh, somewhat geez. organized t-ball baseball. You're an exception. Yeah, person. you were doing this. You were hitting it off the tee, and then you were all running around like morons. No, uh, I remember we actually we pulled the triple play once. It was pretty awesome. And the other coach yeah, got kind of mad at our coach. Probably at like seven or nine. Yeah, or because no, the other like team didn't know how, they didn't no. know how to run the bases yet, so triple plays are easy. Yeah, exactly. I, Honestly, I the triple that, plays but, are like the second most popular is, play t-ball. To pull a triple play, you have to have an awareness of the rules, which the other team did not by, like, running on a line drive. We've been doing this for, like, six weeks, and there's been one thrown ball for an out in the entire like, I'm just, league. I'm you weren't, criticizing, you weren't, for instance, coaching. He, you weren't, he, you weren't, he hasn't taught his kids how to actually play the sport yet. You weren't whipping. Triple, up, yeah. triple play. Yeah. All right, let's go. Enough with this, Sean. Reliving his memories as Cal Ripken. It's five years Wait, ago. I was turning to blame for the T-ball conversation. I don't want to talk about T-ball. Um... Look, we're burning through, we're filibustering, guys. This is called podcast filibustering. Uh, no, let's, uh, let's dive into the news and then we will try and get to the Packers path to the Super Bowl, uh, as well as the triplets rankings that came out from our own Jared Dubin. We mentioned those on the Friday pod. If they get left on the cutting room table, we'll get to them later in the week. A lot of time to kill the offseason. Be talking about, uh, AFC, no, NFC East over-unders tomorrow, guest TBD. AFC East over-unders later in the week, also guest TBD. Should hopefully get somebody good for those, though. Uh, first up, Peyton Manning, rumored, reportedly rumored, according to Ryan Wilson, to be the Jets are, to be, to being chased by the Jets. What's the best way being to phrase pursued. this? Being pursued by the Jets. A, do you think this is a good idea by the Jets? And B, do you think that Peyton Manning will actually consider it if they offer him? Well, this was, uh, Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk said so you heard from several people that they will be pursuing Peyton Manning, who um, retired in 2015, hasn't really been doing a whole lot outside of playing golf, I think. He does the passing academy and all that. But in terms of being involved in football, my first initial reaction is it would be a terrible idea just because the Jets came up with it. But then you think about it a little bit. Mike McCagnon was uh, as sort of traditional as they come, a scout. Everyone loved him. Uh, did everything by the book, and, and that didn't work out when he butted heads with Adam Gase. There's also the, the relationship that Peyton and Adam Gase have going back to their time in Denver. Last year, when Freddie Kitchens, before he got hired full-time, there was conversations that Gase might get that job. Jimmy Haslam and Peyton Manning are close. Jimmy Haslam's, I believe Haslam's brother is the, the governor of your great state, John. Is that right? That is correct. Maybe he just got voted out in November. I think his term might have been up, but something like that. He was. So, right, so they, they go back to their days when Peyton was at Tennessee, and, and there was a connection between Peyton and Gase coming to uh, Cleveland. That clearly didn't happen. Uh, also, look, John Lynch got hired without any prior experience as general manager. He's had some good draft classes. The, the teams haven't won football games. I think last year you could blame it on, on injuries, Derek McKinnon and, and Jimmy GQ. We'll see. This year probably will, will be the, the true test of how good he and Shanahan have done. I'm not opposed to, to giving someone outside of the, the bubble, quote-unquote, an opportunity. 
I just don't think it's a good fit in, in New York where the talent is questionable. You have a franchise quarterback, but or potentially one, but there are issues uh, just about everywhere, everywhere else. And then you have the issues with Adam Gase and, and how much power he wants. I would be a little wary of this if I was Peyton Manning, personally. I don't know that if I'm Peyton Manning that I necessarily want to come into a highly dysfunctional organization and try and fix everything. I don't think the Jets are – I mean, you do have Sam Darnold. I like that. And you got some nice pieces, and you do trust Adam Gase. But there is, like, an ownership issue, too. All this buzz that Christopher Johnson doesn't really know what he's doing. Um, and at some point, he might be replaced by Woody Johnson. And so there's a little bit of influx there. I, I would be hesitant, too. What's more, um, what's more stable, Mike Mayock in Oakland or, or Peyton Manning in New York? Uh, Peyton Manning in New York because the coach can fire Mike Mayock and so can the owner. Here's the thing I'll say about Peyton Manning is that he would be crazy. And I don't think he'll take this job just for one reason. Look, we know ESPN apparently went up to him and offered him the Monday night job for like $10 million a year. If you're turning that down, which is only like 25 weeks of work, $10 million or you're going to go to New York where you have to work every day, all day, and you have to work with the Jets – uh, for who knows how much money, but probably not $10 million. So if Peyton Manning didn't take the ESPN job because he wanted to spend more time with his family, I can't see him taking a job that's going to involve four times more work at less pay. That's yeah, I, I don't I don't like it for the Jets for two reasons. One, yes, Peyton Manning is obviously an incredible football mind. Uh, but, you know, Ryan just said it. What has he been doing since he um, retired? Is he involved in scouting? Is he paying attention to all the little things going on in football? Like, I just don't know if he has that. It seems like they're just going off of his reputation. And yes, when he retired, he knew a lot about the league because he was playing against all those guys. But the league has changed substantially in the four years since he's been playing. And two, I don't think the Jets should be hiring someone who necessarily has this great relationship with Gase built in because it seems like it could be just like a yes man type of situation where they're always agreeing. And I don't know. I don't have enough confidence in Gase that I think the idea should be to hire someone who could challenge Gase's ideas. And yes, you want them to have a good working relationship better than the past GM had with Gase, well, clearly. But you don't want like him, a yes man. Then Gase is the yes man in that situation if they hire Peyton Manning. Peyton's not going to just be in a loof and, okay, and well, then, Adam yeah, Gase. Yeah. It goes both ways, though. I wouldn't want Peyton Manning, a first-time general manager who I just said, like, I'm not sure how close he's paying attention to things in football right now, having a yes-man type of coach. So I think it goes both ways. Isn't it a little concerning that the Jets just fired? Like, they let their GM – I mean, obviously this part's concerning. They let their GM run the whole offseason and then can him. And now the three people who have been rumored are Joe Douglas, which is – that's fine. Like, he's been – that's a good that's a good hire if you get him as your GM, I think. I mean, we don't know for sure, but I, I like the thought process there. And then – and then Daniel Jeremiah and Peyton Manning? Like, that's the most... I think DJ was meant to work for Douglas. No, I get that. I'm not knocking DJ and I'm not knocking Peyton. I'm just saying that it's a very Jets thing to be like, we might hire this Eagles GM and two really famous media guys, like former I, – I don't know. It just doesn't – like. So is Adam Gase the problem? Is, is uh, he the I mean, problem? It seems like he was in Miami. Right. He got rid of the people in Miami that weren't his guys, and they promptly sucked. And – you know, now he's in New York, and what well, did you read this? Help get him fired. I mean, get him hired. Excuse me. And I would imagine Gase had something to say about him not staying around after the draft. Uh, Manish Mehta of the New York Daily News did a behind the scenes, and and look, I, Manish is a friend of the show. I like Manish. Hadn't had a great uh, week on the old Twitters because he, he's the one who tweeted, "There's no chance that Mike McCagney is being fired this all season. <laughs> Zero chance." And and he got old take exposed. Old takes exposed, I guess. Uh, but. He wrote a behind-the-scenes thing, and it is a good breakdown of what happened with Adam Gase. And he's been blasting Christopher Johnson, um, you know, over over how it's being handled. But like the the lead for the story is where's the camera? And the point of that was is that Adam Gase um, basically went uh, full passive-aggressive turtle mode uh, in the draft war room, and this is so it's like. The, uh, the, the signs were all, all up there in the run-up and during the draft. Gase was understandably angry at the whole damn process. More on that later. Not for me, from Manish. So Gase strategically distanced himself first by, himself by first locating the war room camera. This is on the draft day. He had a seat next to Christopher Johnson that would have been in the view of the camera. 
And this is a quote from a current team employee. He literally took his seat and moved it out of the camera view. In other words, he pre-scrubbed himself from anything involving the Jets draft, and he didn't give Mike McCagnan any input as to what he thought about the players that he might want to get on. And everybody in the room, according to Manish, said this was awkward. And so – And this was because that – Case didn't have any say in the lead-up to the players he wanted. He wasn't involved. And they said previously Todd Bowles had no say, and he didn't care. He was okay with that. McCagney sort of ran the process. And it's worth pointing out that fo- the football coaches are coaching football till late December, early January. So they don't have any idea what's going on until January when they start, you know. They can say, look, this is this is the scheme we run. These are the players we want. But if he's banging, his, banging the table for, you know, cute quarterback X instead of quarterback Y, I don't know if he has a lot of input in terms of, Knowing what right. he's talking about. But I mean, like, you but, would, I mean, you would want somebody to be able to, like, you would want your coach to say, hey, like, we need a running back with this skill set that fits my offense. And, like, the point of it is, is I'm concerned not just with how this whole thing got built up and then got played out, but how it might play out in the future, because there's zero cohesion between the front office and the coaching staff. Well, and that's what I was about to say is that right there, which you guys just talked about, epitomize how much of a dumpster fire the Jets were the entire offseason. How did that not come up in the hiring process? Hey, Adam, you are not going to have anything to do with the draft. (laughs) Let's make this clear before we give you a multi-year, multi-million dollar deal so that there is no fighting, infighting going down the road and so that we don't have to fire our general manager after the draft and look like idiots. That didn't come up during the hiring process? That's insane. Yeah, it is. Like. You didn't ask what your role was going to be in, in the draft, like, and they didn't tell you. And you were, and even if you did ask, and they did tell you, you were fine with it and still took the job. It's the whole thing is very bizarre. All right, it let's is, let, let me get on on the record here in the middle of May. Uh, over under, who wins more games, the the Dolphins or the Jets? Mm, that's interesting. That you know, the Jets. I think the Dolphins are much more stable coaching staff, front office. They seem to be on the same page. And we're just talking about the Jets that, as, as John pointed out, are a dumpster fire. I just think they have more talent still, and talent wins out. And the Dolphins last year, the Dolphins have... actually did win seven games with Adam Gase, which is, says something. So that was Adam a... Gase's record in one-score games is incredible if you go back and look at it. And I think I think Scott Caxmar, who used to work at Football Outsiders, um, documented about Adam Gase's insane field goal luck at the end of the games. Basically, just teams that miss field goals um, that are very makeable against his teams, it's like a very unsustainable record that should regress back. And Gase is like, if you look at his wins in Miami and route to the playoffs, it's against really bad teams. Like they beat up on a bunch of cupcakes and then got the Patriots, one, you know, that fluke Miami December crap that, that happens to the Patriots. Um, they're just not I, – I, I still – I would take the Jets to win more games. I think he, he think he's got more talent. I think he did do a good job getting the most out of his talent. Uh, but I think the Bills are the the most uh, consistent and reliable second team in that division right now. I I, I think they'll be the second. The I think they'll finish second in that division. I I don't think it'll be close. You're gonna be picking hey. the Super Bowl before it's over with. Sure, I I, 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 I like agree it. with Brinson. I think the Jets win more than the <laughs> Dolphins. I'm not happy about saying it. Do you think Ryan Wilson that the Jets will trade Le'Veon Bell before the season begins? <laughs> as John Clayton. Uh, apparently pointed out on, um, I think, uh, Pittsburgh Radio with... Uh, I think it was 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh. Now, I don't know if he was just sort of speculating or if he had talked to someone. But I think he said he could see it happening versus... Right. He wasn't necessarily reporting anything. Okay. Right. See, he said I wouldn't be surprised. So um, here's what here's what, what has sort of happened since. So McCagney gets fired on Wednesday. The report comes out shortly thereafter that Adam Gase never wanted Le'Veon Bell for four years $52 million. Le'Veon Bell tweets later Wednesday night that um, there are a lot of rumors flying around that, I, that I've been exposed to in recent years, including the year he set out last year with the Steelers. I'm just there. I'm going to focus on me. I'm not worried about what is and isn't true. And then there was a story that came out a day later in the New York Daily News, uh, Brian Costello, I believe, that uh, Le'Veon and Gase had been in contact um, for weeks now, even going back to when he missed voluntary workouts, he's supposed to show up June 4th through 6th for the um, mandatory workouts. We'll see, but it is absolutely the worst possible start to Le'Veon Bell's career in New York <laughs> after refusing the contract that would have paid him much more money in Pittsburgh and sitting out a year riding jet skis. He has to have a monster year. Like 1,000 yards and 3.8 yards per carry is not going to cut it. He's going to have to have like 
1,500 yards and 800 yards receiving, and he's going to have to help them win football games. I just don't know if that's going to happen with that with the state of that team. And we look, we saw what happened to Jay Ajayi in Miami with with, with uh, Adam Gase. It, it didn't work out, and Adam Gase turned on him, and that was that. I think well, Le'Veon Bell because of his contract is locked into this, into the Jets for two years minimum. They can get out. Yep, yeah, not to play him. That that would <laughs> that would be something if he if also, he if he benched way, Le'Veon worth, Bell. That would be something. It's worth noting. A lot of people on Twitter pointed out that if they were to trade him, the team that trading him isn't getting Bell's full salary. So it'd be a four year, forty million dollar deal at that point. So yes, you would have to give up significant you know trade picks to get a player like him. But you're not getting him at $15 million a year. You're getting him at $10 million a year, which makes it somewhat more likely. I mean, I don't think they would trade him. But if teams didn't want to give Le'Veon Bell $15 million and now he's available for $10 million, I mean, it could happen in theory. Do we know of any other teams that were interested in Le'Veon Bell? No. It was the Jets. It was just the Jets against the Jets. But I think because it was the price tag, though. So I think he would he would have had a, a way bigger market in free agency if he was we didn't even hear about teams being $40 or $40 million. Because everyone knew what he was, what he wanted because we all knew what he had turned down from Pittsburgh. I don't think anyone will trade for him. I'm just saying that the cost in terms of money is a lot cheaper now. By the way, the, the Jets are 80 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. The Dolphins are 200 to 1. I'd rather bet on the, the Dolphins than the Jets. Yeah. Nah, I, nah maybe not. 80 to 1's not terrible. The Jets aren't winning the Super Bowl, but I mean, 80 to 1's not terrible. I wouldn't bet on any of them. So right. if they trade him, his signing bonus was $8 million, I think, around that range. So if they trade him, they're literally saying, we're going to eat that $8 million. We We don't want Le'Veon Bell so badly that we're going to eat this $8 million and toss him away to another team. You're and basically and, paying $8 million for the draft pick that you get from the team. That's and, how much. you. It's like the Tex, It's like when the Browns um, and the Texans, like Osweiler traded. It was like the team was paying for a draft pick. And the Jets, if he was traded after June 1st, if traded before June 1st, they would have a $19 million dead cap hit uh, for Le'Veon Bell this coming year. If it was after, they could offset it and go 10.5 this year and 6 next year. So that's uh, how do you, exciting. Uh, how do you guys like this idea? I just, I'm just i on Twitter, and Evan Silva, I saw a reply to Barnwell when they were talking about Le'Veon Bell's contract after trade. What about the Texans for Jadavion Clowney? Wait, Le'Veon for Jadavion? I don't hate yeah. that. Would you do that? I mean, it's probably again, it's probably not going to happen. But that's I wouldn't do it from the one. Texans. You would if you were the, the Texans? Texans? You I would not. The Texans do – the Texans have um, a tag on Clowney. They just don't appear likely to sign him. So you would be getting – you'd be punting – I mean, like, you'd be, you'd be, I, don't, I don't know. I don't hate that. Yeah, but then if you're the uh, Jets, you don't have four defensive players who have a cap hit of $12 million <laughs> or more this year. That would be insane. Better than and having your a offense r- still sucks. And, you're and your offense still sucks. And you're, you're definitely trading for Clowney. You're definitely giving him a long-term deal because you're yes. not going to make that trade and, and then get rid of him. That's true. I yeah. mean, you uh, signed Bell and getting rid of him. I mean, who, exactly. you can't count anything out the Jets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're going to do this trade before they hire the GM, and then the new GM is going to be like, no, I don't want Clowney, and then <laughs> trade Clowney. Bate Manning's going to be like, all right, we're trading Clowney away for a first-round pick, guys. Yeah, I, I just think running backs are too easy to find. And Le'Veon Bell's a special running back, but running backs are too easy to find for me to be willing to make that move um, if, I'm, if I'm the Texans. And you might – maybe you sign Clowney. Or maybe he has a – I mean, knowing Cl- – look, given Clowney, like, it wouldn't be surprising at all to me if Clowney had a defensive player of the year season in a contract year like this, knowing that he's going to hit the market next year and could get – paid an insane although he has bus cook as his agent so he'll probably get paid a lot no matter what um okay let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and we'll talk about uh carson wentz Dak prescott maybe some triplets as well robert half research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring if you have open roles chances are you're feeling this too that's why you need robert half Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right. So Carson Wentz and Dak Prescott both rumored to um, have contract possibilities on the on the horizon i think 30 million dollars has been floated out for both guys um both you know dak prescott has said he wants to be a cowboy for life that's great you know emmett smith played for the cardinals dak so good luck with that um 
Tony Romo got cut for you. We got benched for you, Dak. So good luck with that again. Uh, and then Carson Wentz, you know, Howie Roseman has been pretty clear that they want to sign Carson Wentz and they expect to sign Carson Wentz. I think it would be pretty surprising if either guy didn't ultimately get signed. But here's my question for you, John Breach. Who would you rather sign, Carson Wentz or Dak Prescott? Fritz, I hate when you put me on the spot like this, and you're going to be even more mad because I'm going to go back one topic for five seconds. Put Le'Veon Bell in Tampa Bay, reunite him with Bruce Arians, <laughs> trade Gerald McCoy. Boom. Everything's solved. Okay. That's a much better deal. That's a good, that's Car- a good deal. Sure. Carson Wentz for – Glad you came with that after the break. Well, you didn't let me talk. I'm going to interrupt you when you're going to break. There's like seven pregnant pauses there. You could have jumped in, right? Am I right, Sean? Maybe he needed the break to formulate the idea. Uh, it was a lengthy break. That ad was a good ad. It <laughs> was a good ad. Uh, so Carson Wentz, look, the guy is injured all the time. I can't deal. You can't have a quarterback who's injured. I was all over the Wentz wagon. I was on the Wentz wagon. I was sitting captain next to Cody Benjamin uh, for the last two seasons. But it's just like everything with his back. The back is the last injury you want to see a quarterback dealing with. Uh, you never know when it's going to flare up. You could wake up one morning, all of a sudden you can't play because, like, your fractured back is fractured again. I'm not a chiropractor. I don't know a lot about backs. But I do know that you don't want to see a quarterback with a back injury. So I'm investing my money and giving more money to Dak Prescott. I think he deserves a bigger contract. Not anything crazy. Maybe Dak, like, $31 million a year and Carson, 30 or 29 but Yeah, Dak. We actually talked about this while you were sashaying around Disney. Brentson. I think we all came to the agreement that Dak Prescott deserves to be paid more than Carson Wentz for what John just basically pointed out. He can't stay healthy. He takes a lot of hits. I know that Frank Reich was begging him when he was there in his first year to please go out of bounds, and he wasn't interested in doing that, and that's just the way he plays. His actual ACL injury was sort of a freak injury, but he's had the back injury, and um, I just think Dak has been more, not more consistent, but you know, the best ability is availability. Isn't that, is that what you say at uh, T-ball practice? Yeah. Hey, Robbie, get out there. Get out there, pal. Yeah. Quit your whinging and get out there, Bobby. Every half inning, Robbie's like, I want to go home. I'm like, no, me too. The, um, the Carson Wentz ACL wasn't even that freakish. It was him trying to score a touchdown on the ground, diving for the goal line when he could have slid short and just lived for another down. He's freakish Instead, he went into contact. But my was, point is he didn't avoid – he sought out contact there. Oh, and, no, that's a good point. But the way he tore it was sort of weird. Yeah. He was in the, in, in midair and tore it. But right, yeah, right, right, yeah, yeah. That doesn't usually result in a torn ACL, but it was him going into contact instead of sliding and being like, you know what, we're just not going to score a touchdown on this play. Um, I think – I mean, those guys hit on it. I, Wentz, when healthy, is a better quarterback, I think. And there was a lot of talk this past season that Wentz declined um, because he didn't throw as many touchdowns. But – the rest of his statistics were either much better than 2017 or pretty much on par, and touchdown percentage is just something that kind of regresses. We saw that with Derek Carr after 2016. Um, and so if you compare the two stats in this past year, I think Wentz is the better one. Um, but those guys hit it. All the injuries, you don't want to commit someone $30 million to a guy who's going to play nine games. That's, well, and Dak Prescott has never missed a game in his career. That That is true, Dak Prescott. I think, I think that Dak... Uh, much more, in fact, Carson Wentz could learn a lot from Dak, who actually acts a lot like Russell Wilson on the field, I think, and tends to do a very good job of mitigating the hits and the damage that he can take from defenders by sliding early, by getting out of bounds. He's got a body, for whatever reason, that's really built um, to to be able to sort of maneuver and operate. And I think the offense that he ran in college um, under Dan Mullen at Mississippi State allow, you know, has allowed him to uh, transfer that skill set to the NFL in terms of being able to avoid hits and, and run, uh, on, uh, run, like design runs more, more effectively. Having said that, I will take Carson Wentz all day. I don't, I don't, think, I don't think it's that particularly close. I mean, Wentz, Wentz is like Dak's upside, um, is like, I mean, what did he, we have 3,800 yards last year, uh, in 16 games, completed in six, 16 games. That's the key word. That's, that's fine. I mean, I mean, Car- Wentz is, Wentz was rushed back last year, in my opinion. I think that what happened was the Eagles started out their title defense with Nick Foles. It looked a little shaky. I think Carson Wentz want, was desperate to get back out there after hearing the chatter about Nick Foles when he won the Super Bowl for the Eagles. I think he rushed back from his ACL injury way too quick. I think you say the same thing. He didn't thing. rush back. ACL expert. Let's come yes, on. Let's you. let the ACL expert weigh in. Put some respect on my name. Look, look here's the, here's the, here's the reality about ACLs from a guy who studies them and not just some jabroni <laughs> with a torn ACL. 
the uh, if you look at the recovery time for ACLs, it, 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 he got out, he got back in time in the normal time frame, but his actual playing style did not return to form. And I think part of the problem is when you're a guy who runs around a lot like Wentz, when you extend plays, um, when you try to take on contact when you don't when you when you try to put too much on your shoulders that's how you end up with the back injury that's compounded as a result of of sort of running around so i think he really needs to get healthy he needs to put you know he needs to have a, a full season of playing in good health and get through that but he was the, I mean, he was the mvp in 2017 until he got hurt but the thing is you hit the nail on the head with his playing style so i don't know how you could stick with wentz is the thing if you have guys with that playing style, quarterbacks do not last. I think. Yeah, Arms, Ben Roethlisberger has really not lasted. He certainly is not. Completely is not Ben Roethlisberger. RG three had a, has a similar playing style where he's running around more. Do you not remember the first half of Ben Roethlisberger? That's why they brought in Todd Haley and had to get rid of Bruce Arians because Bruce Arians was committing like <laughs> mass murder with Ben Roethlisberger's body. He was seven shot drops. Yeah, you're again making the point for Dak Prescott. Ben changed the way he played in 2012, and he's been completely different ever since. He's well, now, thank he's you, Wilson. I'm right. talking about people who wouldn't switch the way they play. RG3 is a perfect example. Carson, Carson Wentz, Wentz has not proven that he's willing to change his playing style to stay on the field. He's been in the league for three years. How can and he, he's been injured all three years. How could he not have proven his style yet? I mean, he's got Because like, he's three for three on being injured. No, he's not. He yeah. played 16 games as a rookie. Bam. Good research. <laughs> uh, season, rookie uh, Wentz or Dak that year? I mean, because well, Zeke should have won it. That's the other thing is that Dak has had this unbelievable offensive line and – But I want to say this, though. The Eagles have a very good offensive line. Dak, Dak improved substantially after the Amari Cooper trade. So if you look at his numbers after the Amari Cooper trade, his rating was 103. He had 14 touchdowns, four interceptions. So let's see Dak with more of – with Amari Cooper. Let's see that over a full 16-game season. Let's also factor in the fact that Wentz – has a much better coaching staff and is in a much better offensive scheme. And I would love to see Dak outside of Jason Garrett's system where they run, run, and then throw on third and seven when everyone knows they're going to throw the ball. For, and that, this is, might be futile because they're probably not going to fire Jason Garrett, no. but I would love to see Dak Prescott in a modern offense. Right. I would, I mean, I would, what would be, I, I don't disagree. What would be fascinating is if you had the Cowboys offensive line and Zeke and Frank Wright. And then you could plug and like drop the two quarterbacks uh-huh. in and see how they operate. Because I mean, like that's the perfect system. I, I do think the you Eagles. Trade for, you trade for Carson Wentz. Um, by the way, to your point, Sean, and I, I think this is a really good one. After the Amari Cooper trade, so Amari Cooper was acquired, and then his first game um, was, was the, Titans. the Titans. On the, they lost fourteen to twenty-eight on a Monday night, and we thought we're like, well, this is the worst trade of all time. <laughs> uh, Dak Prescott, including that game. Completed 71.3% of his passes, threw for 2,468 yards, 14 touchdowns, and just four picks, 7.7 yards per attempt. Um, was sacked 33 times, had 103 quarterback rating. Ran for rating, four touchdowns, too. Ran for four touchdowns uh, down the stretch. Now, you can look at the teams they played. Atlanta, terrible defense. Washington was toast at that point. Uh, New Orleans, that was actually a low-scoring game. They played Philly twice and, and beat them both times. So went head-to-head uh, with that team, got waxed by the Colts. Uh, but then played Tampa and the Giants as well. So, I mean, like they didn't play the world beaters in terms of defenses, but Dak was fantastic down the stretch once they got Amari Cooper. So I think that's a, that's a fair and valid point. Um, you know, look. Stick with Wentz? Yeah, I, I still, I'll still take the upside of Wentz. And, and here's the bottom line, too. Both guys are going to get paid. Like, there's no chance that either team – like, the Eagles will never not pay Carson Wentz. And they will never not pay him top of the market dollars. He's got an, he's got an agent in the, the agents, his, the Tolner brothers, um, were the ones who extracted a ton of money from the Jaguars for Blake Bortles before they Is he going to get more money than Russell Wilson? I think that he'll slot in below Aaron Rodgers. In between Matt Ryan and Aaron Rodgers. I think that that's where, that's where the sweet spot will be for Wentz if he gets a deal done this offseason. However, and I think it'll be, I don't think it'll be one of those fully guaranteed things like the Cutler got. I think it, you know, maybe closer, not an Andy Dalton deal. Cousins, not, not Cutler. It won't be Cousins. Anything. Yeah, it won't be Cousins. Be I any, was going to be like, I was like, I got to remember what the Cutler contract even was. I, I guess it was a long time ago. Yeah. Sean almost lost it. Well, I just always think about Cutler. Cutler and Andy Dalton signed their deals about the same time and Cutler got a fully guaranteed deal from the Bears and Andy Dalton got this little like, yeah, we kind of care about you, but we can cut you at any time. The best quarterback contract of all time. Yeah, yeah it is. He has no guaranteed for, for money. For a team. For a team. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Bus Cook is the one who does the deal for uh, Jay Cutler and for Cam Newton. That makes the Panthers situation interesting. Um, all right. Hey, quickly, uh, rank them. Dak Wentz and uh, Sean's boy, Jared Goff. 
<laughs> Why is he my boy? Just because I went to Cal? There's yes, there's at up. least one three thousand word glowing All right. profile out there. Like, oh, Jared Goff. There's also one for Davis Webb. Hey, it was a good story. <laughs> Who's the coach of the imaginary team that we're ranking the team, the quarterbacks for? No, I mean in terms of paying these guys. Oh, oh. What you paying these guys? Rank, rank the payments. I think they'll all be similar. In the, I think it'll be thirty to thirty-three million dollars a pop. A I think I'm going uh, Prescott in terms of how much they sh- they deserve to be paid and where I'd want them. I think golf is last. Yeah, I agree. Because I think oh. anyone in that offense would. I mean, imagine Dak Prescott. We talked about him playing for for. And failure with for Frank Reich. Imagine playing for Sean McVay. Or don't. It's up to you. No, I'm well, imagining silently processing. Well, I was going to point this out. Uh, <laughs> let's take that same. How, how many uh, How many games did we say for Dak Prescott that we were doing uh, the Titans? Titans. Like nine. Titans like nine games. I think it's nine games. Yeah, that's right. So I'm going to tell you what Jared Goff did in his final nine games of the season. 61, Not going to be good. <laughs> 61.8% completion. 2,558 yards, 18 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, 7.5 yards per attempt. That is a just much worse performance. than Even uh, worse if you factor in his playoff performances, too. Yep. He wasn't very good down the stretch. Now, they played a, well, one common team in the Saints. That was a shootout for the for the Rams that they lost. Uh, the Rams did, but they, played, they got the Chiefs. They did have to play at Chicago uh, and, and against Seattle. And that's really it in terms of hard teams to play. Jared Goff wasn't great. Down the stretch, and he threw one touchdown in the playoffs. One, one touchdown, in three playoff games. If he is not great, I don't think he's going to be bad this year because I think it's just really hard to be bad in a McVay offense. But if he's not great, and if you have these bursts of inconsistent play like he had at the end of the um, at the end of the season, it's going to be a really interesting conversation going into the summer because. The Rams have been a team that have benefited the most. They've been like the model of we have a, a rookie quarterback on his rookie deal. Um, let's go yeah, well, spend then, money so. on these positions that we can afford to pay. Well, I would say and the Eagles. Suddenly, I would say the Eagles qualify too. Yeah, yeah. So all, I mean, both of these teams are going to be interesting. But I, I just think Wentz is better. I think he's more worthy of the thirty million. And if you have Sean McVay and this idea that he turned Goff after in the in his first season into a legitimate starting quarterback after Goff looked like he didn't belong in the NFL under Jeff Fisher, would you consider getting rid of Goff and letting McVay draft another quarterback and having a guy on his rookie deal and saying McVay can do this with most quarterbacks? I mean, mean, Goff was the first overall pick. That's not going to happen with the first overall pick. Why? Why not? Why would you invest all that money in a guy who's mediocre? Because he's tall, tan, blonde from California. They're moving. He doesn't care about that. He's the face of the franchise. I mean, uh, I think McVay. Do you know who does? John's John's boy. Who? Stan Kroenke. Oh, he he loves golf. Well, that's that's a different (laughs) conversation. I mean, that's a different conversation. But if it's just the football people and that football person starts with Sean McVay, I don't think he gives a crap. If you were just in a vacuum, then yeah, I think they could potentially consider it, but. Like your 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 option, it's not like you're. Gonna, I mean, and what are we talking about here? Like, can he get Jake Fromm with his first round pick? I mean, what's the? We don't know what the, you know. what I'm saying, like, we don't know what the setup is. And I, by the way, I think the Rams are actually an interesting um, team, and I, they're not getting any buzz for this outside of maybe me talking about it on like random radio spots. Uh, but I think they're <laughs> I think they're an interesting team to potentially miss the playoffs, um, not just because of the losses that they take on the defensive side of the ball. I know they brought back uh, Dante Fowler. But you have a Marcus Peters in a weird contract situation. They don't really want to extend him. Uh, and Dominican Sue is not back, which is going to hurt the run game. Uh, they Joyner. lost, yeah, lost to Marcus Joyner. They lost two offensive linemen from an offensive line that was really the foundational piece of this. Uh, they signed Blake Bortles, by the way, jerk. <laughs> Todd Gurley has not been healthy. We don't know what Todd Gurley's future is going to hold. Daryl Henderson. Yeah. I, but I, but I'm saying like, if, let's say, Andrew Whitworth, who's 37 or 38, it gets hurt in the early in the season. I don't think that's – hopefully it doesn't happen. I don't think it's likely, but if he is older and he is coming back on a one-year deal, I believe. Let's say he's either in, in, in injured or ineffective. Jared Goff might be playing behind a bad offensive line, and I trust Sean McVay to figure it out. But if you don't have Todd Gurley and you don't have Jared Goff behind a good offensive line and your defense takes a step back, which has been known to do in Wade Phillips' third year – and the 49ers are really good, and the Seahawks remain at the same level they were at last year. I could see the Rams missing the playoffs. Yeah, and I think we're all on the Seahawks bandwagon. I don't know if we talked about it with you or why you were gone, but 
I think it's not out of the question they win that division. But, I mean, they drafted. They, they had a good draft, uh, the Rams did. They drafted a running back for um, Todd Gurley. They drafted a couple offensive linemen. Um, they got Dante Fowler back. They got Clay Matthews, and I, I can't stress enough, they got Blake Bortles. So that's uh, <laughs> I feel like. They got their next running back. <laughs> nice job, John. That was that was Sean. Yeah, I meant Sean. Sean, John. You can't um, give me a compliment. Okay, no. very quick. Uh, do you want to do triplets or let's do the Packers? Let's just briefly hit. Wait, them. okay. Because we only got like five or six more minutes before you know trying to get the full meaty, full meaty forty-five minute podcast. Who wrote the Packers? Sean, I did. That's why he didn't oh. want to talk about it. I just okay. The, the, the Packers the, have already made. Hold on. Moves, hold, so hold on. Okay. The topic is what three things do the Packers need to do to make a Super Bowl push? And you wrote a story about it, Sean, and I want to know what are those three things. Also, well, Ryan, could you give me a list? Article, so keep talking. Could you give me a list of 32 people who are likely to be drafted in the 2020 NFL draft? In order, oh, your mock draft? In order assigned to those teams, please. <laughs> yeah, I'll send that right over. I'm going Jake Fromm, number one. Yeah, why not? Like you said, there are no wrong mock drafts. Mm. Unless you have Kyler Murray not going to the Cardinals, apparently. Right, and that was what I did. That was wrong. Was that bad? Should I not have done that? Sean, is this enough filibustering? You have your damn story? Yeah, I I pulled it up. Okay. Wait, you don't remember what the three things are? This was three full days ago. You expect me to remember something I wrote four days ago? I do. I can tell you what number one is. Sean said no. Aaron Rodgers should, should dump Danica Patrick and get back with Olivia Munn. No. <laughs> I should have said that. <laughs> now, the, so the reason I didn't really want to talk about it is I just – I think there's a lot of interesting teams or a lot of moves that a lot of Super Bowl contenders can still make as we've been doing this offseason series. The Packers have been one of the most active teams, it seems like, already in the offseason. So it feels like a lot of their moves or most of their moves have already been made. And I ran into the same kind of problem with – the Bears writing it today for Monday. It's just, I just, they're not perfect teams, but they're just not that many fits. I feel like still, still out there realistically. Um, that said, I think the biggest thing for me is probably adding offensive line depth. And if you look at, um, at right tackle, Brian Bulaga, is, he's been hurt a lot in recent years. He's 30 years old. He's torn both of his ACLs. Now, um, if you were to get hurt, uh, they did sign a guard in free agency. I don't know why I'm blanking on his name. Who played? Really? Yeah, who played tackle at times last year, so he could slide to the outside. Um, but then that creates a big opening at guard all of a sudden. So it seems like if they could sign one more offensive lineman as depth in the event that someone goes down, because if Brian Bulaga goes down, I think it throws the entire situation into whack. Mm. Out of whack. Out of whack. Yes. Into whack is the new thing the millennials are doing. Yes. <laughs> Keep up, Ryan. We're getting this into whack, yo. Um, <laughs> but that on the other, other side of the t-shirt for FOMO. And, and we should have the, just an entire podcast where Sean teaches Ryan millennial lingo. What was the thing you guys asked me to explain like two years ago? It was Bay, B-A-E. Bay. Yeah. You guys tagged me when I, on a day I wasn't working to ask me to ex- explain what Bay meant. All-time pathetic request. Can you explain oh, Bay weird. to us, Sean? Um, um and what? real quick, I think something that kind of is flies under the radar in large part because the Bears kick, kicking situation is a laughing stock. Um, the Packers don't really have a great kicking situation. Mason Crosby has been pretty darn bad over the last two years. Um, let's see. Over the last two years, he's only made 80% of his field goals. Um, he's missed four extra points. Last year, the Packers ranked 23rd in field goal percentage, 19th in extra point percentage. Um, I don't know if there's like a clear upgrade sitting there. We've been over this. It's a reason the Bears can't find a kicker. Um, but holding a legitimate competition and not having Mason Crosby because he's been there forever just, you know, automatically get the job. I think that could make sense for them. Sean, let me just get this clear. You want to replace as soon as brought up kickers, breach was the second best kicker in the NFC North is Mason Crosby. Well, that says a lot about the NFC North. Well, maybe it does. My point is, again, there's not a solution sitting there. I don't know if you want Matt Bryant coming into cold Lambeau Field at that age, but you don't. I think a 44 year old cannot kick outdoors in Green Bay at Lambeau yeah. Field. Yeah, I agree with that. But and I think you can have a legitimate type of in Bears type of kicking competition. Like, I don't think the Bears are the only team in that division that should be holding an actual. Well, just hold on. You're the guy who made fun of me for suggesting the Vikings should look into Cody Parkey. 
you did not even offer any suggestions about who the Packers should sign, except for a guy who's already on the roster. That's not a suggestion. Sam Ficken is on the roster, and I'm saying if he were to outperform Mason Crosby in the preseason and training camp, I think he should get the job. I don't yeah, think it should be. on the be. roster, so he can compete with Crosby. Of course he should get the job. No, but so many of these teams have a second kicker on the roster just because they need to have it, but they're not going to actually like boot the incumbent because they've been there forever. And I feel like Mason Crosby kind of has that status in Green Bay. He's been there for so long that they're not going to seriously consider replacing him. I think they should seriously consider replacing him. All right. I mean, no, Ficken's yeah. there, and kicking competitions are a little bit easier to judge than competitions at other positions. If Ficken's better, Crosby will get cut. Good. Then we're in agreement. Uh, Breach, you don't have to give me a hard time just because I'm stepping on your beat here. You know, I can I can contribute to the kicking stuff once Keep in a while. Keep kickers off your mouth. Stay in your lane, Sean. Kind of weird how that went from what do the Packers need to do to get to the Super Bowl to, like, Breach threatening to drive to Oakland and murder Sean over a camping um, situation. Oh, you know what? Since we're talking about the Packers, I will say, so for some weird reason, I was keeping track of all the NFL fans I saw in Mexico City uh, over the past 48 hours. Packers ranked number two with two fans. Who do you guys think ranked number one? All right, number one is uh, I'll go with the Cowboys. I will say the Raiders. And I saw six different teams represented while I was here. I'll actually say that number one is the Chiefs. Raiders. Are you serious with the Chiefs? Three different guesses. Wilson wins. Cowboys head. I saw three Cowboys fans, two Steelers fans, two Packers fans, the one crazy Bills fan who almost committed suicide off a pyramid. One Patriots fan in a red Tom Brady jersey and one Broncos fan. That's your Mexico City right now. So these people are just wearing football jerseys in May in Mexico City. I feel like yeah, people don't even do was... that in American cities. There were, people, there were a lot of people. A little weird. There were a lot of people at Disney World wearing like football jerseys. Like, what are you doing? Like, what? would you do? You want a sweater? Like, like, why are you wearing a football jersey walking around Orlando in the 90 degree heat, man? Like, I've sweated, I've sweated through three polos already. What, what's going on here? Polos, yeah. Well, they're like golf shirts. They're like, but it's, that's like, that's what you want out there. No, I think you only wear football jerseys if you're watching a game. Like, either at the game or like watching with friends. I mean, I personally think you don't wear them, but that's just me. Yeah, no, I'm also the same. But I'm sure who's who's wearing his Aria Jumpman shirt, making fun of Yeah, I would definitely wear a customized Bears Aria jersey, 100%. Listeners out there, let's start a GoFundMe. Let's get me an Aria Bears jersey. We've not had anyone email me and say that they are president of the Sean Wagner fan club. We have had. Oh, do you guys want to talk about the rankings? Well, we do encourage people purchasing Jim Breach jerseys. We should throw that out. Yeah. Did you hear about the um, – I get you five hear, cents of every sale. Did you guys hear about the rankings that Perloff did? Did I tell you about this? Oh, no. Is that the one you put into you texted us? <laughs> I think you mentioned it in Slack, but I was sleeping. And it was yeah. one of those days where I woke up to 100 Slack notifications from you guys. Brady Quinn, Brady, Brady Quinn was number one. This is Perloff's personal Pick 6 podcast rankings. Oh, the, these are his rankings. His rankings. He ranked – on the show with me, he ranked all of us. One, Brady Quinn. I think two was Prisco, maybe JLC. And then the other was three was whoever, which one it wasn't. Um, and he pointed out that Pete being like, what was the, what's the mountain? What is he, a zombie or something? Is like the most Prisco, like on brand Prisco thing ever. It's like, yeah, he's dead, Pete. Don't you pay attention? Um, tie four, Ryan and John. And he said, "These are guys you'd like to have a beer with. Normal guys I'd like to have a beer with." And then fifteen. Well, you know what? I don't want to have a beer with him. So you know what? This is perfect because we both like each other. He actually pointed out, Sean. I don't know if you you obviously didn't listen to the podcast yet, but that your millennial takes actually (laughs) sometimes fuel the Dan Patrick show. Look, as soon as he named like Prisco and Brady Quinn one two, I knew I was going to come in last. Mm, that's a good point. You know what I mean? He's just obviously geared towards a certain type of generation take. Whereas I, oh, you're calling him an ageist? I'm, you're I'm accusing moving... Perloff of being an ageist on the podcast. Not it might not be intentional, but I think people just tend to hey. agree with the people who you know came up in the same way and think the same way. I am here pushing the podcast into, you know, the 21st century and making sure that we hit the millennials out there. So, look, I serve a purpose. 
Look, a lot of great people were not beloved in their time. A lot of them were misunderstood in their time. <laughs> I'm I sure 50 years from now, people right will now. look back at this and me being the key ingredient about like why the Pick 6 podcast is the most popular podcast because I help push forward and reach the younger years. And then they're going to, you know, I, I just think it's, it's, look, it's a hard role to play. I understand my role to play, though, and I'm willing to do it. <laughs> You're very humble. I like that. Yeah. Um, no, he was Did you? Did you- Write that speech. Did Brinson tell you we were doing this? Sean's Sean's been itching for a hot milk take. Um, No, look, Perloff was not bashing you. He was, but he was pointing like I do think it's right. Like, like you had a take on Patrick Mahomes as it relates to Brett Favre, and I think anybody like in your age group might be more willing to understand that. Whereas a rational, sane person. No, see, this is this is the classic, the idea of like the older generation being like, my generation was better. Like, how dare like the younger people think that theirs could be better? Well, no, but Patrick Mahomes has only played one season. Brett Favre. Yeah, I didn't say career wise, Patrick Mahomes is better than Brett Favre. I said at his peak, which was at his what season at his peak. Uh, Mahomes better. Congratulations on on puberty. That was awesome. Yeah, my growth spurt is still going to hit soon. That's why I got the larger shirt. I'm prepared. I think ahead. So there's a medium pick six podcast shirt headed your way, Sean. I want the the pullover. There's there's a small pullover headed your way. Wait, you said they run small, so please yeah. don't give me a small. It's a, it's a baby pullover. That's what I knew was going to happen is you're going to send it and be excited, and then I'm going to look at the sizes, and there's, there's going to be complete different sizes. And you're going to do it on accident, but you're just not going to pay attention. You're going to give me like two extra larges. I'm bringing everyone except Sean a present back from Mexico City. Yes. Mm. Well, you guys feel comfortable opening up like a random present from Breach that he got out of the country? Like, don't send me a package. It's definitely a bottle of tequila. Yeah, absolutely. It's probably like just regular. Poison, you're going to drink a. It's regular. It's Breach. Yeah, Breach is going to send us like an opened Aquafina bottle. It's like yellow (laughs) inside. It's like, this is like an open bottle of like dirt filled water from Breach (laughs) from Mexico. Um, All right, we got to get out of here. I got to go coach T ball. You guys got to go get ready for Game of Thrones. Final episode coming up in a few hours. It happened last night if you're listening on Monday. And uh, we will be back. Oh, we got to record a podcast uh, today, today, Monday, to uh, recap Game of Thrones, right? Here, you can help. just go ahead and, and dub this in. I hated it. Okay. I'm <laughs> <laughs> Ryan right. does not want to be a part of this podcast. Well, we'll get RJ White instead. All right. We'll, be, uh, we'll talk to you all tomorrow. Game of Thrones talk and some over-unders. Thanks, guys.